The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. The word Hanukkah itself means dedication. It's interesting, the only place that Hanukkah is actually mentioned in the canon of the Bible today is in the 10th chapter of John. We read that Jesus went to the temple at the Feast of Dedication or the Feast of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is already passed for this year, but Justin Crone revisits First Person now to help us understand what Hanukkah is, and more importantly for Christians, we'll turn our attention to Christmas on this week's program. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. I've really enjoyed bringing you another year of interviews as we anticipate Christmas and then the new year. Thank you for listening. Next week, we'll bring you just a few highlights from 2018 and a few of the many conversations we've had. Of course, a special thank you to the Far East Broadcasting Company for making First Person possible. Please take a few moments here at Year End and thank FEBC for its tremendous gospel outreach over the past year. Well past two million listeners have contacted FEBC stations for more information, including seekers and those who wish to study the Bible. More at febc.org. Last week, you heard the testimony of Justin Crone, a Jewish believer in Christ who loves to build bridges with those in the Jewish community and present the gospel message. I asked Justin to come back this week to give us a look at Hanukkah, now past for this year, but we started with some thoughts about Christmas. Well, for for me, this is really an opportunity, just like everyone else, to uh, consider uh, the fulfillment of a prophecy that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, that that he would be the the, the prince of peace, uh, the, um, the everlasting father, uh, wonderful counselor. Seems like I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's sung a lot, right? Uh, and of course, we we think about uh, that he would bring a peace on earth and and mm-hmm. goodwill toward men. Uh, that that wasn't an original statement, really, by the angels there in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's deeply rooted in the Hebrew scriptures and the promises that God gave. Uh, to the people of Israel, yeah, yeah. and uh, so we're you know we're celebrating or remembering the the very same thing that everyone else is. So reading between the lines, I get the sense that because uh, of your Jewishness, uh, that you perhaps have an even deeper appreciation for that because of of uh, of Christ coming from that culture as well. Yeah, it's really a fulfillment of God's promises to the people of Israel. Uh, for for centuries leading up to this event uh, in Israel and in Bethlehem, to be uh, more specific, and uh, I, I like one of my favorite things to do is to look at really the connections uh, between what is said in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament and what we read in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And uh, we think about Christmas, and we think about well, who are the first people to get the good news? They they were shepherds. Yeah. My ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> so be That's careful good. what you say about them. You know, where's the drum, you know, <laughs> cha-ching, you know. You know. Uh, and so it's shepherds, right? Yeah. And, and uh, why are they the first ones to hear? Uh, well, I think there might be a couple of possible reasons. Uh, they were the ones who were tending the sheep, right? Mm-hmm. 
most likely they were the ones who were tending the sheep that would be sacrificed at the temple just a few miles away. Oh, I've never thought of it in those terms. For the sacrificial system uh, that was in place that provided uh, the opportunity for uh, cleansing to occur so that the people of Israel could continue to uh, be in the... God's midst, right, to be be with him. The the temple was always about God's desire to be with his people, um, and the sacrificial system is what enabled that to occur. And so these are the guys who are are tending the sacrifices that are actually no longer going to be needed. So in some ways, they they received a pink slip that night (laughs) that uh, another lamb has come. John, uh, Jesus' cousin, first words out of his mouth when he saw Jesus Mm -hmm. was, Behold, the the Lamb Lamb of God has come to take away the sin of the world. And what is he referencing? He's actually referencing back to a prophecy that came through the prophet Isaiah um, that he would be a sheep before his shears is silent. Uh, So uh, he will uh, be silent as well. Um, And so uh, we see a lot of these connections. I, I also think we see with um, the, the shepherds being told here, a connection to another prophecy that Jesus would be the shepherd prince, uh, the uh, shepherd of his people uh, that comes through the prophet Ezekiel. And uh, so I think Jesus is coming to be the shepherd, uh, the, the good shepherd that he says of himself, uh, that it was always God's desire, God's heart, God's intention to be the shepherd of his people. That was um, his plan from the very beginning. And uh, unfortunately, the people of Israel said, we want a king to shepherd us, uh, an earthly political king like all the other nations of the world. And God acquiesced to that. uh, And uh, he said, okay, you can have that king, uh, but uh, it's probably not going to go really well for you. And uh, sure enough, that's exactly what happened. King after king after king leads the people astray. And then God comes along and says, I'm going to reinstate myself as your king, as your shepherd. And that's what we see with the fulfillment of Jesus coming back. Sometimes uh, you hear or, 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 or it's an underlying thought that believers in Christ are critical of our Jewish neighbors because they can read the Old Testament and not see Jesus. And yet, when I think of that, I think about we read the old, t- the New Testament, and don't see Jesus. <laughs> right. I mean, the disciples didn't really understand, did they? So, yeah. uh, how can we be so harsh? Yeah, you think about the the two uh, gentlemen on the road to Emmaus uh, who were totally confused about what had just happened in Jerusalem surrounding Jesus's uh, death, and Jesus, uh, you know, has to come he's, along he's, and he's explain right with them, yeah. right? Explain everything to him. And what does he use to explain? He goes into the, the Torah, the into the law, yeah. and into the prophets to help them understand. And uh, let's also remember, too, that a lot of Jewish people, they, it's not like they're reading uh, the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew scriptures. And, and so it's difficult for them, of course, to, to see these connections. And then I hate to say this, too. I think uh, there's probably a lot of Christians who aren't reading their Old Testament True. as much as they should True. either. You mean uh, literally not reading? Literally not reading it. Okay. Um, really staying focused in the New Testament. And I think looking at the Old Testament as just kind of something that uh, uh, was maybe a long introduction to the really good part. Yeah. Um, but let's consider what Paul writes to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And when he writes that to Timothy, 
the New Testament doesn't exist yet. So in many respects, what he's saying, if you really want to be effective at the ministry that God has called you to, make sure you know the Bible Jesus read. Yeah. As a believer in Christ, but given your background, when you read Isaiah 9, I mean, can you put yourself back even before Christ? I mean, I know you're a young child, but what happens in your own mind and heart when you read a passage like Isaiah 9? Well, when I'm when I'm reading Isaiah 9, um, for me, it's just, it just, it lights me up. It just, uh, you think about how God is uh, looking forward to the redemption of not just the, the people of Israel, but the whole world. And uh, when, when we think about um, God's faithfulness, um, it, it started long, long ago. And it's a redemptive story that is continuing into this day for both Jews and non-Jews who surrender to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to talk about Hanukkah a bit later, but uh, let's, let's stay on Christmas just, yeah. just for the moment. Um, it, it's, it's such a wonderful time of year, and so many hearts are turned towards it who normally don't think about these kinds of things. Uh, what are some other aspects of Christmas that maybe we can use to uh, turn people's attention to Christ? Well, uh, Christmas uh, is such a, a time of year when everybody's hearts and minds are, are engaged on it. I mean, you, you, you can't uh, turn the, the TV on or the radio on without being reminded uh, what it what uh, holiday it is. Yeah, we lament the commercialization and all of that, but the, some of the core things are still there, aren't they? They're still present in the culture, which is amazing. Yeah, they really are. I mean, just think about so many of the, the Christmas songs um, that are really pro- professing uh, really great uh, and, and core doctrines uh, about who Jesus is and, mm-hmm. and what the Christian faith is about. And uh, this, this really, this is the time of year that we need to be inviting people to come in to experience uh, really what is the core message of the Christian faith. Yeah. We talked last week about the fact that you've spent a considerable amount of time in Israel. So when you go to Bethlehem, for instance, I mean, what are, what are some of your thoughts about being in that place which is so far different today, of course, but still, it's it's the place. It it is, and uh, when when you're there, it's, I mean, it's a very different, as you mentioned, it's a very different place than what it would have been that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but you come to think that Jesus came to be the King. He came to be the the King of Kings and and the Lord of Lords. Um, he was coming into the world at a particular time in history, where the people of Israel were under occupation. Uh, they, they were looking for a Messiah who would overthrow their, their occupiers, the, the oppressive uh, you know, Roman government. And uh, the, the same is, is true today for many people in, in the world uh, who are living under very, very difficult circumstances. And I, I think what God is ultimately wanting each and every person in this world to get to is that he's far more interested in a regime regime change of our heart yes. than than he is in other any other kind of uh, political regime change. Um, and if your heart is surrendered to him, uh, he will guide you. He will minister to you. He he will lead you in the midst of whatever difficult circumstances you might find yourself in. My guest at this Christmas time is Justin Crone, and we'll continue in just a moment. We never heard the good news on the FBC station 
I tried praying to Jesus for the first time. Life is difficult, but Christ is helping me see things differently. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. You can sign up for a free online daily devotional from FEBC, telling more listener stories, while at the same time it encourages you from God's Word. Receive this online devotional without obligation when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Justin Crone, my friend that was with us last week here on the program. And if you missed that program, Justin gave his own personal story of coming to faith in Christ, coming from a Jewish family, and uh, how the Lord has used him and is using him now uh, in, in helping us understand our Jewish neighbors and understand our Jewish roots as believers in Christ as well. And we're, we've been talking about Christmas. I want to go back to Hanukkah for a moment. I realize that we missed it on the calendar here. We're talking about it after the fact this year. It kind of came early this year, didn't it? Yeah, it did come, come early. Uh, the, the Jewish calendar, of course, isn't uh, linked up with uh, the Gregorian calendar. And so it moves uh, depending upon where you're at. And it's, it goes over, what, eight days? Yeah, so Hanukkah is an eight-day celebration that, that commemorates the rededication of the temple during the period of what we know as the Maccabees. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Maccabees were really uh, religious freedom fighters. Uh, they were living at a particular time when they were being oppressed uh, by King Antiochus IV, uh, who gave himself uh, another name of Epiphanes, which means God manifest. And uh, he was really not a fan of the Jewish religion and uh, outlawed it. Yeah, to, uh, say, to say the yeah, least. To, yeah. to say the least. <laughs> uh, threatened the Jewish people that if they continued to practice uh, Judaism, that they would be killed. And so to uh, make sure that they were following his decrees, he forced them to sacrifice uh, a pig on the altar in the temple, desecrating uh, mm-hmm. the temple, and told the other Jewish people at the various altars uh, around uh, Israel at that time to do the same thing. Well, there were the, what we are now know as the Maccabees, uh, who said, that's not going to happen on our watch. <laughs> and uh, they resisted uh, Antiochus and his army and uh, really miraculously overcame uh, the odds. And uh, when they were able to uh, reclaim the temple, they rededicated it. And then uh, part of uh, what we know about uh, the temple is there's supposed to be a, a light that's lit at all times. The menorah um, is supposed to be lit at all times. And there's only a certain kind of oil that you can use in, in which to do that. And there was only enough, what they found in the temple, there was only enough for that to burn for one, one day. day. And yet? <laughs> it would take them eight days to procure more oil, but yet they lit it anyway. Um, and God, the, the legend is that the, the oil miraculously stayed lit for those eight days. And that, so that's where we get also the name for this festival of Hanukkah as the festival of light. What does Hanukkah mean? The word Hanukkah itself means dedication. Uh, and you can read about it in the, in the books of the Maccabees, the history of, of what occurred in the second century. Uh, but it's interesting. The only place that Hanukkah is actually mentioned in the canon of the Bible today is in the Gospel of John. Uh, in the 10th chapter of John, 
we read that Jesus went to the temple at the Feast of Dedication or the Feast of Hanukkah. Okay. And uh, interestingly, Jesus is having a debate there with, with the religious leaders about his divinity, which they were not too thrilled to hear about. And I'm sure in the back of their minds, they're probably thinking, Jesus, do you, do you know what happened to the last guy who came in town <laughs> who said that he was God manifest? <laughs> that Antiochus the fourth guy, well, things didn't turn out very well for him, and they may not turn out really well for you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so that's uh, that's what we can read about in in the gospel. Well, this of John. is a good example yeah. of what enriches our understanding, even of Christmas and our celebration, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, when you think about if Antiochus the Fourth had been uh, successful in his mission to really er- eradicate the Jewish people, um, then maybe there would not have been a Christmas to come two hundred or so years later. Yeah. Uh, when God fulfilled his promise to not just the Jewish people to bring a Messiah, but to to all nations. So um, it's it's good to understand our background and how God has shown his faithfulness. And in, in the Jewish um, community, we often like to think about how how is our history summarized? And, and it's really summarized by this. They tried to kill us. God intervened. Let's eat. Let's celebrate. <laughs> And certainly God did intervene on behalf, really, of not just the Jewish people, but really on behalf of his commitment to follow through with his mission to redeem the world. Yeah. As a Messianic believer, and by the way, is that term okay for you? Messianic yeah, it's, believer. A, it's a great uh, term for me, and, and I'm open to, if you want to call me a Christian, I'm certainly sure, that too. Sure, of course, yes. But as a Messianic Christian, a Messianic believer, are there things that you do at Christmas that incorporate some of the other Jewish traditions that maybe the rest of us don't really observe? Yeah, so for— that, but, but they enrich—they would enrich us. They do. Well, and, and for me, I, I really do keep it linked to during the week of, of Hanukkah when we light the menorah. Uh, you, you, there's eight candles. There's actually nine. The ninth candle is is what's called the shamash, the servant candle, which is used to light all of the other candles. Oh, I see. And uh, we like to, in our family, we like to connect the shamash candle, the servant candle, really to the idea that Jesus came to be a servant. He he came to be oh, the light yeah. yes. of the world. And so, as we light the other candles throughout the week. Uh, we think about other people in our lives. Each candle, oftentimes for us, will represent a particular person in our lives um, who we feel that God is calling us to be a light to, to be a servant to. Yeah. And so that's how we incorporate it. And, of course, we do the other typical things, too. And, and we get together with our, our extended family members and enjoy fine Jewish delicacies <laughs> like uh, latkes, uh, uh, potato pancakes, because that's that's what we uh, enjoy at, yeah, at Hanukkah. I understand yeah. why. Uh, it's interesting. I, I know your wife Judy as well, and I, I. But you are you're raising your children with some of these traditions too. Yeah, we you know we think it's important for them to not only know their their heritage, uh, uh, culturally um, as as Jewish uh, believers, uh, but but really to understand their their heritage as believers. You know, it was Jesus's. Uh, world. That was his culture. That was his background. And so, of course, we're, we're very intentional about helping them make those connections. As I mentioned, as at the time of this conversation, in the year that this conversation is taking place, Hanukkah is in our recent past. But looking ahead to next time, how can we as believers, how can we reach out to our Jewish neighbors during Hanukkah? Well, first what, and foremost, what can foremost, we do? What yeah. can we say? Well, don't forget to wish them a happy Hanukkah. Okay. That's, that's just basic. You know, you you should be able to see that on your phone or on whatever calendar you use that Hanukkah is happening. Um, reach out to them. Let them know, you know, hey, uh, it's Hanukkah this week. What are you doing this week? How are you celebrating it? 
um, make sure that they know that it's on your on your radar screen. I mm-hmm. think that that means a lot to them. Okay. Uh, when when we remember those things, and uh, just ask them too. You know, what what are some of your favorite uh, memories uh, with with Hanukkah? Uh, did you get gifts on each night? You know, I mean, that's yeah, one of the traditions. Talk about that for a moment. Uh, children always love the idea of getting a gift every day. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, typically what happens is uh, parents will give a small gift uh, on the first seven days and then the really good gift on, on the eighth day. Uh, <laughs> Save the best for last. Yeah, right. And, and my friends, when I was growing up, they knew I was celebrating both Hanukkah and Christmas, so they thought I got double the gifts. <laughs> You're double um, dipping, right? You know, and uh, <laughs> uh, it didn't always work out exactly that way. Like a lot of families, what they'll just do is they'll just have one gathering um, during that week uh, mm-hmm. as a family or with their extended relatives mm-hmm. uh, to celebrate. Okay, looking past uh, Hanukkah and then Christmas, what's what's the next uh, Jewish holiday that maybe we can reach out? To our friends yeah, the next really big one is Passover, okay. which which happens in the spring. I believe it's going to be in April uh, this year. Usually happens right sometime during Holy Week. Not always, but but oftentimes it's during the same time as Christians are celebrating. And again, Holy we don't Week have to Easter. dig very hard to find out when it is uh, right. in the year that we're looking. So, And uh, I think that's an incredibly important one to remember. It is the most celebrated of all the Jewish holidays. Uh, means a lot to Jewish people. And uh, I think for us as, as followers of Jesus, of Yeshua, his, his Hebrew name, I think it's a good time for us to remember the connection between uh, Jesus celebrating Passover and what we do today around the Lord's table or, or communion, the Eucharist, and uh, seeing that uh, they're, they're very much connected because that's, in essence, that's exactly what Jesus was doing when we, when we uh, talk about the Lord's Supper is he was observing a Passover Seder. And this is what Jewish people will be doing. And I highly recommend uh, Christians getting uh, acquainted with, with that festival. With the Seder. Uh, I have many friends who have done that. I, I've not done that myself, but I know many friends have and find great meaning in that. What's, what's appropriate for us to say during Passover to our Jewish friends? Happy Passover. Happy Passover. Yeah. Just like Happy Hanukkah. Happy Happy okay. Hanukkah, Happy Passover. You just don't say happy during uh, Yom Kippur, the day <laughs> of, right, uh, right. of atonement, atonement yeah. um, because they're fasting and it's supposed to be a somber holiday. But uh, in that time, you would say, I hope you're having a good holiday or, or an easy fast. Um, but yeah, just wish them, wish them a happy Passover. And uh, there's many churches now that are hosting Passover seders, and I, I highly recommend if you can get, get to one to do so. And for me, it's one of my favorite things to, to help churches uh, go through. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Justin, we will put information about what you're doing in life, and we'll put that in the notes for this program at firstpersoninterview.com. But thanks for coming and helping us understand these things. Real pleasure, Wayne. And Merry Christmas to you and Judy and your whole family. Yeah, Happy Hanumas to you. And if you were listening last week, you heard Justin's story of placing his faith in Christ and more about his mission to build bridges with the Jewish community. That information continues to be found at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, we'll mark our final visit for 2018, and we'll present a few highlights of our programs from the past year, including guests David McCullough, Michelle Qureshi, and Larnell Harris. Plus, we'll hear the voice of Dr. Billy Graham once again. That's next time here on First Person. If you haven't downloaded our free app, you'll find it in your app store, either Apple or Google Play. Having the app enables you to download any program, present or past, and listen anytime, anyplace. Search for the app First Person Interview. And please say thank you to the Far East Broadcasting Company, not just for this program, but more importantly, for their faithful gospel ministry in nearly 50 countries of the world. 
FEBC programs are reaching millions with God's Word, many for the first time. Learn more about helping the Far East Broadcasting Company by visiting febc.org or firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for the finale to 2018 and our highlight program. Merry Christmas from all of us here at First Person, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.